This week at church, Pastor Cindy McKinley shares her sermon, Double or Nothing. He learned how to help the poor and how to preach goodwill and God's word and to love people. He learned how to walk by faith. He learned how to trust God and obey Him no matter what the circumstances. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown, right by the Coventry Mall. We'd also love to hear from you. If this ministry has touched you in any way, send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. And Jezebel was not a good woman. She was not very good, kind. She, in fact, hated God, hated everything about God. And she was, her goal was to kill every prophet of God. And she began to kill the prophets of the Lord. And God's people were so wishy-washy. They were one day worshiping God. The next day they were worshiping Baal. And Elijah had had enough. And he said to the people, he called all the people of Israel together. And he says, how long are you going to keep doing this? You need to choose today whom you're going to serve. If the Lord is God, then serve him. If Baal is God, then serve him. But this flipping back and forth has got to stop, he said. So he called all the people and he told them, I want you to come and meet me at Mount Carmel. And as you come, I want you to bring with you all the prophets of Baal, which was 450 prophets. And I want you to also bring with you the prophets of the Asherahs, which was another 400 prophets. And when they got to Mount Carmel, the Bible tells us that they built two altars, one for the prophet of Baal and one for Elisha, Elijah. And, and the, Elijah says, you guys go first. You're going to prepare your altar. You're going to kill the bull. You're going to put the sacrifice on, but you can't light a fire. You're going to pray to your God and have him send fire down from heaven to consume your sacrifice. We can do that. They did exactly what they were told to do. They began to pray and pray and pray. And the day went on and got longer and longer and longer. And Elijah standing over saying, what's wrong? Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping. Talk a little louder. He can't hear you. He was taunting them all day. The Bible says they begin to cut themselves and do all these things to try to get Baal to respond to them. Who, by late in the day, Elijah had had enough. He says, get the altar ready. Cut up the bull and place it on top. And I want you to douse it with water, not just a little, but saturate everything with water. I want you to dig a trench around it and fill the trench with water. And Elijah began to pray. And he prayed to the God of heaven to prove who he was to all these false prophets. And guess what happened? God answered that prayer. Fire came down and didn't just consume the bull. It consumed everything. It consumed the, the bull. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones. It consumed the dirt and all the water. Everything in that spot was gone. God showed who he was, that he was the one true God. And Elisha ordered that all the false prophets be killed. Elijah, yes. <laughs> that all the false prophets, I have practiced this, trying to get this. He ordered that all the false prophets be killed. And they were, and this did not make Jezebel happy. She was furious. In fact, she told Elijah, 
I will kill you within the day. And guess what? Instead of standing up to this woman, he runs for his life. And the scripture tells us that as Elijah ran, he was feeling sorry for himself. He was very discouraged. He says to God, I'm the only prophet left, the only one serving you, God. And God says, that's not true. And God began to encourage him. And as he was coming out of that discouragement, he was in a lonely place. And God, instead of saying, I'm going to send you on a spiritual retreat. Aren't we good at doing that? <laughs> we get discouraged. We wait for the next retreat to come. God says, instead of sending you on a spiritual retreat, Elijah, I want you to find someone to mentor. I want you to find someone that you can speak into their life. You can teach and you can train them the ways of God. And this is where Elisha comes onto the scene. Now, Elisha's name meant, my God is salvation. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to kind of just break these scriptures apart here. 1 Kings 19, 19 and 21, it says, So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Sephet. And he was plowing his 12 oak of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now picture this. Here he is plowing with his oxen in the field, and all of a sudden this man comes up behind him, throws the cloak on him, and just keeps walking. I would think, wait a minute here, that's kind of weird. But he must have recognized who Elijah was. So what happens here? He recognizes who Elijah is, verse 20, and it says, Elisha left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. He, Let me go back, he said, and kiss my father and my mother goodbye. And then I will come and go with you. Go back, Elijah told him. What have I done to you? So Elijah didn't go to the school of prophets to look for someone to mentor. He went instead and found a man who was plowing in the field. God chooses great men and women who just do ordinary things every day. He chooses us. Aren't you glad? So in verse 21, so Elisha left him and he went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment. He took the meat and cooked the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah to become his servant. The only thing that Elisha really knew was the farming. And he knew to follow after what God had called him to do, he was going to have to give up everything. He was now going to be a prophet in training. He would have to give up his family. He'd have to give up his entire inheritance to have 12 yoke of oxen. They had to have been pretty wealthy. And he, had to, he was willing to give all of that up to follow after the man of God and learn how to become a prophet himself. To make sure he wasn't tempted to go back, to turn around and to give up and to quit. The Bible says he killed the oxen and he burnt the plows. He runs. Picture this. He's running now to catch up with Elijah. And when he gets to Elijah, his life is about to change forever. Year after year, he watched and learned from Elijah. He learned things how, like how to handle courts. He learned how to bury dead people, which was 
like you're not supposed to touch dead bodies and there's the whole procedure. He had to learn things like that. He learned how to help the poor and how to preach goodwill and God's word and to love people. He learned how to walk by faith. He learned how to trust God and obey him no matter what the circumstances look like. The goal was not head knowledge. The goal was a spiritual transformation. And Elisha was willing to undergo that. We move in to 2 Kings chapter 2. And our story picks up from there. Because somewhere along the way, God speaks to Elijah and tells him that he's going to be taking him to heaven. You're not going to die. I'm taking you to heaven. And not only did Elijah know that, but all the prophets seem to have known that. And even Elisha knew that his master, his time on earth was soon coming to an end. And knowing that, Elisha, in your notes now, Elisha was determined. He was determined he was going to stay with his master. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting with verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elisha, Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah said to Elisha, they were on their way from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went on to Bethel. Verse 3 the company of prophets at Bethel came up to Elisha and asked, don't you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha said. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. In Jericho, a company of the prophets of Jericho came up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And again, he replied, Yes, I know, so be quiet. So Elijah said, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the pro a company of the prophets went and they stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the water with it. The water divided from the right to the left and the two of them walked across on dry ground. That was the last miracle that Elijah performed. Elisha had resolved in his heart that he was not going to leave his master, no matter what. He had been so determined that he was going to stay with him. Have you ever had something in your heart that you wanted to do, and you too felt like you were determined that nothing was going to stop you, and then life kind of happens and things pop up and before you know it you've kind of forgotten about it and it's kind of fallen off to the wayside well that didn't happen with Elisha because he had his mind made up his heart was set and he was going all the way with Elijah Elisha 
was not going to let other opportunities hold him back. Four times he was told, he was given the opportunity, just stay here and settle down. You've traveled with me all these years. You just need to stay and just get a house, get married, have kids. It didn't say all that, but he said, settle down. Just stay here. Four times in Gilgal, in Bethlehem, in, in Bethel, in Jericho, and at the Jordan. But he didn't. He was determined he was going to stay with Elijah. Elisha was not going to allow oppositions to stop him either. Because twice, the prophets of Baal, and not Baal, the prophets of Balaam, Bethel, and the prophets of Jericho both said to him, Don't you know your master's going to leave you today? Do we like to hear news like that? Someone that we love, dear to our hearts, and we know that they're about to leave this earth. And what did he say? Be quiet. Be quiet. I know, I know. Just be quiet. He didn't want to hear that news because his heart was breaking because of that. But also something else was going on inside of his heart. His heart was stirring. His heart was hungry for something much more than what he had. And instead of keeping, taking focus on the things that God puts in our own lives, sometimes we let other things come in and we listen to other voices and we follow after what they pop and drop in our heads. Elisha was not going to let obstacles stop him. Sometimes we could think maybe that Elijah might have even seemed to have been an obstacle to him telling him to stay put so many times. Through all of this, Elisha remained steadfast and determined to the very end. Now he had one request from Elijah before he was taken away. And his request was a spiritual request. Listen to what verse 9 says. It says, when they had crossed, had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? His answer was, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet, if you see me, when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. This was a request that Elijah really couldn't give. Because a double portion meant he wanted double the blessings that Elijah had. And that can only come from God. However, with Elijah saying to him, if you see me, God was going to honor that request. During the 10 to 12 years that he served Elijah, he witnessed the spirit of God upon him, moving and working in and through him. And that's what Elisha wanted. He wanted more of God in his life. He wanted that anointing. He saw the, the spirit of faith in the midst of impossible situations. He saw the spirit of obedience as he watched Elijah obey God at any cost, even at the cost of his life. He saw the spirit of courage not to back down from the truth, but to stand up for what God's word said. He wanted double of everything that God had to offer him. And he wasn't going to let go until he got it. And it came down to what Elijah said to him, it's double or nothing. Those are your choices, double or nothing. And if you don't see me go into heaven, you get nothing. Thank you, Jesus. It was not time 
to play games. It was not time to be wishy-washy. And Elisha was serious. He was so serious about the matter. He wanted that double portion from God. No matter what, nothing was going to stop him. And Elijah's response was a serious response. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, it says, As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and a horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. Can you imagine what that would have looked like? Oh, my goodness. Elisha saw this and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. Some translations say that he fell to the ground and he tore his garment. I think he fell to the ground because the power of God had come down and got so close to him he just couldn't stand. Praise the Lord. And even in the midst of that, as he sees him go into heaven, he cries out. Oh, he cries out with one last desperate plea because he wanted that anointing to come upon him. He wanted that double portion, that double blessing of God. It says Elisha then picked up Elijah's coat and that had fallen from him and he went back and he stood at the banks of the Jordan. He took the coat and he, he took the coat that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. There, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided from the right to the left and he crossed over. The prophet Elijah performed 16 miracles. During Elisha's time, lifetime, he performed 31 miracles. He was one Miracle shy of that double blessing, that double portion. But yet God wasn't finished. Because when God promises something, he gives us something that we cry out for desperately. He's going to fulfill that. The Bible tells us that a dead man was thrown into Elisha's grave. And as soon as that body hit the bones of Elisha, the man came to life, which gave Elisha his double blessing. His double blessing, his double miracles. You see, God saw the determination that Elijah had. He was watching the whole time. God heard his request of what he desired to have. And he knew he was serious about it. He knew he wasn't playing games. Now, I want to ask you something this morning. I have several questions written in the end of my notes, the worship team can come if they'd like. And these questions that I'm going to just kind of throw out are questions I've asked myself as I have searched my own soul and my own attitude at times. On a scale of 1 to 10, where do you see yourself standing in your relationship with the Lord? In your journey, one being you've just accepted Christ and you've just started this new journey. And ten being, we're dead and gone. Where do you stand with God? And are you, are you satisfied with what you have already in your relationship with the Lord? Or does somewhere deep inside of you, you have this gnawing hunger that there's got to be more to this? 
There's got to be more that, that God has. I, I read this stuff in the Bible, and, but I don't feel it in my life. I'm not seeing it in my life. There's got to be more to it. Have you ever felt that way or thought those things or pondered on them? Maybe, maybe you're content where you are. God has so much more for all of us. And if we will be like Elisha and we will say, God, I don't know what all you have for me, but I know I want double portion. Whatever I have right now, I want double that in my life. We have been praying for our services coming up. And I know that there are some in this room, you weren't raised in Pentecost. And maybe the, the, just hearing us talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, that stuff might even frighten you. But I want you to know something. I, I, as I was praying and thinking about this, before Jesus went back to heaven, he told the disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to pray and stay there until you receive the Holy Spirit. There are people who will tell you that the Holy Spirit is not for today. I had a teacher in school that says miracles weren't for today. They only did miracles in Jesus' time so they would have something to write about in the Bible. Same yesterday, today, and forever. There are people who will tell you if you speak in tongues, you're of the devil. You're demon-possessed. If that were true, do you think Jesus would have sent the disciples back to Jerusalem to wait and pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon their lives? I don't think so. He don't want us filled with the devil. He wants us filled with him. He has so much for us. Elijah asked a question to Elisha. What do you want me to do for you before I'm taken up? Jesus asked that same question in the New Testament. As he's walking down the road and three blind men are sitting on the side of the road, probably back behind everyone else because no one gave them any attention. And they heard this ruckus coming down the road and they knew it was Jesus. And these men begin to scream, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the people in the front said, be quiet, leave him alone. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. They wanted what Jesus could do for them. Jesus stopped and he called them. He says, come to me. What do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, we want our sight. We want to be able to see. And he healed them that day. We're getting ready for our services starting next week. But Jesus is here today. We don't have to wait till next week. He's with us every day. And in preparation this coming week for starting Sunday morning, in preparation, Jesus wants to know this morning, what do you want him to do for you? If he could stand here in person, I feel in my heart that's what he would be asking each one of us. What do you want me to do for you? I know there's things deep in your heart. I know there is. 
There's longings, there's desires. There might even be questions. And he wants to feel that. He wants to grant you those requests. Let's all just stand to our feet. Jesus, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you long to give us the things that we hunger for. Elisha didn't hunger for worldly possessions. He didn't even ask for more power. No, he just wanted more of God. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this morning. You can feel free to come to the altar. However, you can do this. But focus yourself in with Jesus and just envision him saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? He loves you so much. He loves you. Lock yourself in with him and pour your heart out to him. If need be, fall on your knees like Elisha did and begin to cry out in desperation. Lord, I need you. I need more of you.